Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, including your stories. Send them to ouramericanstories.com. They're some of our favorites. And today, we have a story from Rhode Islander Joe Jutras. Joe is a retired cabinet maker, and since his retirement, he has dedicated most of his time to growing giant fruit and vegetable. In 2017, he broke the record for the largest green squash ever grown, coming in at 2,118 pounds. Here's Joe with his story. I've been growing giant vegetables now for the last 25 years. 
It started years ago just by accident. I started growing vegetables in my backyard. I threw in a giant pumpkin seed. I grew it to 124 pounds, and from then on, I was hooked. A couple of years later, I got hooked up with a gentleman here in Rhode Island. His name is John Castellucci. He's like the godfather of pumpkin growing here in uh, New England. He started in the early 90s. He had great success, real gentleman helped anybody that wanted to learn how to grow pumpkins. So my friend Steve Spurry and I, we, uh, we spent a lot of time in his house just drinking some beers and learning how to grow pumpkins. And from then on, we just got hooked and enjoyed growing, met people from all over the world. This hobby attracts people from all strains of life, from cabinet makers to scientists. There seems to be an addictive quality to growing these giant fruits and vegetables. It's remarkable how many people you meet that all have the same interest of growing fruit and just enjoy being outside uh, growing these large vegetables. It's been one of the best pots. I know my wife really enjoys it. We have get-togethers. We have cruises that we go on with pumpkin people. It's it's very competitive, but then again, it's such a a long season. We, We start these fruit in beginning of April, and we're not finished a lot of these wayoffs until October. So, you know, you've got a fruit on the hook for like 100, 110, 120 days. That, that's a long time to have a fruit being healthy, and a lot of things can happen, a lot of weather-related problems you can run into, and bugs and diseases. And it, it takes a lot to get a, a pumpkin to the finish line. So when we go to these wayoffs, we're all happy for each other just to, to see everybody getting a fruit there. and. A lot of people grow multiple fruit just so that you do uh, have a fruit at the way off time, hopefully. (laughs) To get the full advantage of your growing season, you want to try to get these in probably about three or four weeks before your last frost, which means you have to grow them in a greenhouse. We use heating cables to warm up the soil. We use uh, lights. We use like a small greenhouse. My greenhouses are like a five by seven. After we've got the pumpkin going, I'd say we've grown them in that greenhouse for probably four or five weeks. It's probably about the first week of May by the time we take it out here in Rhode Island. And the race is on. We're growing these plants. Uh, you're trying to set this fruit out on the main vine, probably 10 to 12 feet at least. Preferably 14 to 16 feet is even better. You've got probably 10 side vines on either side of the fruit. And uh, your plants probably 500 square feet, 400 square feet at pollination time. And by that time, your fruit at 20 days old is really starting to put on the weight. You could be putting anything on like maybe 30 pounds a day at at 20 days old. And by 25 days old, you could be putting 30 pounds on. And by 40 days, you could be putting 40 or 50 pounds on if, if, you know, you've really got one hooked up. I was fortunate enough to in 2006, grow a world record long board. Actually, the very first time I, I tried, I, I grew a world record. And the year after that, 2007, I had started a new garden, I, I grew the world record pumpkins. And ever since then, I was trying to grow the world's largest green squash. It's a different, it's similar to a pumpkin, but the color is different. Just a, a little different in growing them. The earlier ones back in, uh, 2007, 2008, they were harder to grow. I think what happened, the gene pool was so closely related that they had a lot of problems with pollinations and 
there weren't as many people growing them. There's like nine, pe nine times more people growing giant pumpkins than there are squash. This hobby of giant fruit growing turns out to be quite the science. But a little over the last decade, some people wanted to make their chances of growing a giant green squash a little higher. And after a few years of crossbreeding squashes and pumpkins, there are a lot more people growing giant green squash. Part of the reason this type of fruit is so difficult to grow is that pumpkins and the color orange are actually dominant. So the growers will take the seeds from the squash-pumpkin hybrid and plant multiple seeds in hopes to grow a green squash, in which they have a one in four chance of getting one. These giant fruits that are being grown have gone through lots of breeding and pollinating seasons in order to become these world-record-breaking 2,000-pound monster produce. Before these large fruits are brought to scale, the growers try to estimate just how much they will weigh. We have a way of measuring these fruits so we have an idea how heavy they are. They call the OTT, it's over-the-top measurement, where you take a circumference measurement, side-to-side -side measurement, front-to-back measurement, you add them all up, and you know, you may come up to 480, 500 inches, and you put that measurement up against a chart, and the chart is changing all the time depending on how heavy the pumpkins get. And it'll give you an estimate of how much your pumpkin should weigh by the cubic inches of your pumpkin. So uh, you have an idea how many pounds is growing. Pretty exciting when you can gain 300 pounds a week, 280 pounds a week. And you've been listening to Joe Jutras telling the story about his retirement hobby, which has grown into a pretty serious hobby and a world record-breaking hobby. And my goodness, what it takes to grow one of these monsters, how complex it is, all the exigencies of surviving through a 120-day growth season. And that's a long time to get from beginning to end. As he put it, it takes a lot to get a pumpkin that size to the finish line. When we come back, more of Joe Jutris's story, the giant pumpkin and squash grower from Rhode Island, here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we continue with Our American Stories and with Joe Jutros, who holds the world record for growing the largest green squash. He's been sharing with us all that goes into growing these giant fruits and vegetables. Let's return to Joe. You can actually see that pumpkin growing, especially at the beginning, between day, day 20 to day 40, it changes the shape daily and triples, quadruples in size uh, in, in that amount of time. Once they start getting bigger, you know, every inch is like 10, 10, 11, 12 pounds. So they don't change as much. They, you know, like anybody else, they get more 
more cracks and age spots and uh, <laughs> just about. Uh, and they, they tend to, uh, seem to gain more weight as they get older too, just like anybody else. You know, they start packing on the weight. Just very rewarding to, to see a fruit grow and get it to the scale and, you know, watch other people have their pumpkin come to the scale and they're thinking it's, you know, uh, say 1,000 pounds and it ends up being uh, 1,150 pounds. Well, they, 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 they grew quite a bit over the scale. You know, they're double digit heavy, so that, that's great. They adjust this chart all the time so that they're either 5% over or 5% below, uh, trying to be as accurate as they can. In Joe Jutra's first attempt to grow his world-record-breaking green squash, he grew 12 plants. And out of the 12, only one was green. And it grew to a mere 1,252 pounds. But in 2017, when he tried again with a different seed, it brought him his world-record-breaking green squash of 2,118 pounds. The year I grew the world-record squash, you know, you have a very good idea. You've got a good one growing. And that same year, Scott Holbert grew that same 1844 seed. So we both had one going. And, you know, your friends, you talk with one another. And you say, gee, how are you doing, Scott? Oh, I'm doing, you know, close to 1,900 pounds. And you say, you're trying to do the math. All right, mine's mine's close to 2,000 pounds. I, I think I taped out measuring like 2,009 pounds. So if he's taping 1,900, I go light, he goes heavy, you know, Either one of us could win. Well, at the end of it, I went 5% heavy, he went 5% light. So that's a big difference. In 2017, after a long season of hard work growing these giant produce, the weigh-in day arrived. And getting these fruits to weigh in is quite the process and takes a team effort. It's called Fat Friday. The day before our weigh-off is usually on a Saturday. We help help each other out. There's four or five guys that get together and we have a tripod with a harness on that goes around the bottom of the pumpkin. You have a chain fall and you're able to lift the pumpkin up by this harness from the uh, tripod without actually having to lift any weight whatsoever. And these fruit now are so big that you have to have a trailer because they won't fit in the back of a pickup truck any longer. So we pick it up in the air, we push the trailer underneath, we let it down, hook it up to the truck and we pull it out. Now, we, we bring it to the uh, the farm we have this way off in Warren, Rhode Island, Farish's farm. We set up things for the following day. We usually wait till the end. We weigh the, the biggest ones last by the measurement, go by how it goes. And just that day I won the world record, I was fortunate I had the biggest fruit there and it ended up weighing the heaviest. I was very surprised that it went 5% heavy because you know, I was just hoping for something that could beat 1844, which was the world record. So that to really come in 2118, it was a, a dream come true, that's for sure, <laughs> to say the least. It's gonna be a hot record to beat because that was, uh, that was a, a very, uh, very large fruit. Even nowadays, that at the time, that was the 13th largest fruit ever grown, pumpkins and squash. Now, since then, there's probably about another 30 or 40 ones that are as big or bigger than that. But there's not really any green squash that have come close to that other than my uh, 1935. There's no doubt seeing these giant pumpkins or squash on the road would be a sight to see. 
Well, the funny part of this is when you're going down the road, because some some of these wayoffs we go to are in upstate Connecticut near the New York line, and you're on 95, and you've got people taking pictures and hanging out the windows and putting their thumbs up and almost running you off the road. <laughs> it's uh, that that's the scary part is when you got people they're not watching where they're going and they you know they're really excited and they're taking pictures and they're beeping their horns and uh, it's. <laughs> Everyone enjoys a, a large pumpkin going down the road. Some people probably have never seen it before, and they're, they're really in awe when they do see it. So that's the part that's uh, exciting. And you get to the way off, and you, you have families and kids that look at it, and uh, it's like a Christmas tree, a big pumpkin. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's something everybody enjoys looking at. There's a, a pumpkin organization called the GPC, and they're something like a government of the pumpkin growers. The GPC is the Great Pumpkin Commonwealth, the organization that makes sure everyone is on the same page when it comes to growing and measuring these giant fruits and vegetables. So it's very important that we do have a GPC to to, uh, control the the pumpkin community and that everybody is is, uh, judged fairly. And we have a, a yearly convention that's put on the by the GPC, and that's a good time where everyone gets together. There's usually about two or 300 people from all over the world. They give out awards, and uh, usually the growers who grow the largest squash or fruit or vegetables, depending on what it is, they do a PowerPoint presentation, and everyone learns from, you know, what the newest strategies were, how they did it, and, what, what not to do, what to do, uh, is just as important as what to do is what not to do. Uh, what you can learn from other people's mistakes, you certainly don't want to make them all yourself. The best thing about this hobby is the friends that you meet, I think. It's, you know, I enjoy fishing too, and I've got a bunch of fishing buddies that I really enjoy fishing with, you know, can't wait to talk about the fish we caught and how to catch them and what to use. It's basically the same thing when you're growing giant pumpkins. What are you using to fertilize? What are you using to spray? What are you using for fungicides? Uh, what do you think of this seed? What do you think of that seed? Uh, what are you growing next year? Uh, how'd you do it? <laughs> it's, it's just really a lot of friendship too. It's not only uh, the work of growing them, it's people you meet and the friends you, you uh, acquire over the years. It's just, uh, just so much fun. Joe Jutras is now in his 60s, and he has no intention of stopping his hobby anytime soon. You know, God willing, if um, I'm still fit, and this this sport really uh, really keeps you moving, you know, you're out there first thing, crack of dawn, working on these plants, stretching and moving and up and down, and there's quite a bit of physical work to it. I'd like to do it as long as I can. I, I know my buddy Eddie, who I'm helping now, he's 83, and he likes growing these fruit as much as anybody I know, and he, he just w- can't wait to get up in the morning to get out there and work on them. Granted that, you know, at 83, you're not able to do it as well as you can at 40 or 50 or 60, but uh, he still still does a heck of a job at it. I know it's not for everybody. It's, it's quite a bit of work. Not everybody has to take it quite as serious as a competitive pumpkin grower. Just to grow one in your backyard, to have a two or 300 pounder on your step, is a great achievement over the summer and it's very attainable now with the seeds we have. Just about everybody has room for a a 10 by 15 foot garden and you could easily grow two, three, 500 pound fruit 
without a heck of a lot of work, I think. And a great job, as always, by Faith and Robbie telling the story of Joe Jutris. And my goodness, what a passion he has. And my goodness, how many of us have a world record in anything? And if it's the squash world record, so be it. 2,118 pounds done in 2017. And Joe's pride and joy, but still out there competing and wanting to win. And most importantly, sharing his hobby with pals. And that's what it really is all about. We all have those hobbies, and what really brings us together is more than the passion for the thing, but the people we meet and the friendships we make. Joe Jutris's story here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. 
I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. And we return to Our American Stories. And as you know, we tell stories about everything on this show. And up next, a story suggested to us by a listener. In 2009, Tom Morton decided to join the Marine Corps. But it wasn't a cakewalk to get onto the yellow footprints at Paris Island. Here's Tom with his story of joining the Marines. So I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, kind of a middle-class upbringing, like in the suburbs and stuff. Overall, fairly normal childhood. My parents split up and got a divorce when I was 13. It was hard initially, but eventually it was something that I came to really respect and treasure because I I learned a ton from my stepdad. And Like, my father is a more... He's always been a businessman, you know? Like, he kind of followed the the smarter path, the more stable path. And that was kind of what his father pushed on him. And um, my stepdad didn't really have a lot of family by the time he was an adult. So he ended up getting drafted into Vietnam and kind of was forced into service. But the way that he handled it and the way that he looked at it, it always kind of made it seem not necessarily something glorious, but something honorable. The way that my stepfather Gary is about handling trauma and stuff, like he he looks at everything as kind of like, well, that was terrible, but I learned this from it and I'm moving forward. And I think that was kind of what made me realize that like, even if the military was going to give me things that were horrible to experience, like it was something that I could learn from and grow from if I took the right path with it. And You know, I think even as a little kid, I was always fascinated by the military. But, you know, after I I think after I got to know my stepfather and kind of had somebody that was honest and open with me about, you know, the bad times, not just what you see in war movies and stuff. It made me respect it more, even knowing that it wasn't as as positive as it was portrayed. So that was, you know, my stepdad's always been a great very positive influence on me and you know my dad has too we just we've always kind of not always but over the military when I wanted to join we uh we butted heads quite a bit if I was going to join the military he wanted me to at least go through college and go in as a commissioned officer and you know therefore at least have in their minds some kind of a better chance at survival because you're better trained higher up the food chain however you know people look at it but, um, you know, that just wasn't really my, my mentality. I always, I kind of looked at it as like the guys who would climb the ladder from the bottom and make it to a point of respect. I wanted to enlist and work my way up. I remember when I, a big shift in things for me of which, which branch I wanted to approach was when I went to an army re- recruiting station, like, you know, went out of my way, they hadn't talked to me or anything, and just went and found one. And I walked in and I, there was this really, really overweight army recruiter, just like the, 
the most like inner service kind of uh, trash talk poster guy. And I'm like, uh, yeah, so I'm really interested in enlisting, but um, I really want to go to like the Rangers or Special Forces. What can you tell me about that? Like, what are the options? How does that work? And this dude kind of like rolls his eyes and scratches his head for a second. He's like, ah, you're going to want to talk to Mike about that. Um, he's not here today. I think he's supposed to be here Thursday. And I just thought that was the most unprofessional, like ridiculous answer I could possibly get. So I walked out really disappointed, just kind of thinking like, well, maybe the military isn't quite what I thought it was. Maybe it's not what I'm looking for. And then a week or two later, I got a call from a, a Marine recruiter. Anyway, he started chatting me up and he was like, if you thought about joining the military and I told him yeah you know I'm, I'm really interested in joining the army rangers you know I want to go the hardest I can go and he's like well has anyone ever told you that basic marine corps infantry school is longer with longer hikes and harder training than army ranger school and I was like well no no one has ever told me that that's you have my attention now and so that was kind of the the ceiling point of the Marine Corps for me is, you know, I, I wanted to go, you know, start out at the hardest level of infantry I could find. And then from there, I had hopes of going to like recon or snipers or something along those lines. Almost talked my mom into signing off on letting me enlist early, basically like as soon as high school was done, even though I hadn't turned 18 yet, I would go straight to boot camp. But, uh, you know, my dad was very hesitant and didn't want to sign that over and basically said, like, you know, when you're an adult, you can make that decision for yourself. But I really want you to, to take some time, get an education and think about this before you do it. And I kind of relented and agreed to go to college and at least just see how that went and, you know, see if something in school grabbed me that made me want to go and do that professionally more than I wanted to join the Marines. So I went to University of Tampa for my first semester and a half. And uh, yeah, that level of freedom was not something that 18 year old me was quite ready to handle. <laughs> I, uh, I got kicked out of school. So that was the point where I kind of tried to tell my parents like, hey, look, see, I tried school. I'm obviously an idiot. I, it didn't work out, like time for me to go join the Marines. And I remember in that summer after that spring semester when I got kicked out, my sister and I were talking about it and she was really upset. You know, she was just worried about my well-being, but she expressed her worries enough to me to where I kind of relented and again agreed like, all right, I will try school again. I know I kind of screwed around and partied last time around, so I wasn't really giving school a hard try, so I'll go back. So I went to Middle Tennessee State, but uh, I still had this kind of back of my mind urge that I, I wasn't, I needed to do something else too. So I went and talked to my, uh, my advisor and kind of explained, look, I, I kind of feel an, an internal obligation to serve four years in the Marines at least. So she said, like, if you're going to drop out to join at some point, now's kind of the time because you're not so far in that you, you know, will lose everything. So that was when I kind of decided, like, all right, well, it's, uh, it's now or never. 
So in October of 2008, I um, signed my contract and swore in in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, like something that was always really attractive to me about the military was an idea of like order and consistency and everything and doing something that I could be really proud of telling people that I did. So I, I was really excited about it, but I was also very afraid of telling my family. And when I did, it didn't go over all that well. Everyone started trying to find loopholes like, you know, until you finish boot camp, you haven't actually you're not actually obligated to do anything or whatever. And, you know, I had already made up my mind and on top of that, given my word, like, you know, the, the way that I look at a contract is you know, once you give your word that you're going to do something, whether it's signed or not, or just a handshake, you do it and you follow through and finish it out. So from that point on, there was no going back. I also really didn't know what was coming. <laughs> And you're listening to Tom Morton tell the story of how he ended up becoming a U.S. Marine. And my goodness, I wanted to enlist and work my way up, he told his dad. His dad, of course, wanted his son to go to college. And if he was going to go into the military, come in with some protection, because maybe those officers won't get hurt in war. By the way, those officers do get hurt in war. But, well, as often is the case in many of our stories, you can love your dad, but disagree. And when we come back, more of Tom Morton's story here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. And we return to Our American Stories and the story of Tom Morton joining the Marine Corps. When we last left off, Tom, after finding out college wasn't for him twice, had finally decided to join the Marines despite his parents' reservations. Let's continue with his story. It's so funny looking back on just how much I was, I don't know, just how excited I was about the, the idealistic kind of thing, you know, watching the the Marine Corps commercials where the dude in dress blues is slaying a dragon with the, the saber and stuff, you know, it all looks so, it all looks so crisp and beautiful and perfect and like, man, I want to be like that. Yeah, then I kind of found out the hard way that it's nothing like that when you're actually in it. Remember when we first got there, there's the iconic scene of the, the drill instructor getting on the bus and screaming at everyone, like, you know, telling you, get off my bus, like, right now, and you have to get on the yellow footprints. And those yellow footprints are big source of lore in the Marine Corps, you know, like they're just kind of referred to and everyone knows exactly what you mean. Like, what would you do to go back and not step on the yellow footprints? Like when you're 10 miles into a horrible hike in the rain or something, you know, it's always a point of reference of kind of like the, the matrix thing of red pill or blue pill. Like, what would you do to go back and not stand on the yellow footprints? Just stay on the bus. <laughs> but, uh, you know, once you get there, it's complete chaos for the first Weak. It's all just sleep deprivation and just making you feel like you do not know what to do. Because you don't. You're just thrown into the most extreme version of a very, very regimented lifestyle without being told how that regiment goes. So you learn through messing things up and then getting... It's called uh, IT'd, Individual Training. Basically, when a drill instructor says, you there, come over here, and you go to the quarter deck, which is the little open area at the front of your squad bay, and then you'll get pushed through a series of push-ups, jumping jacks, crunches, whatever. Basically, just any exercise until you start to fatigue, and then they'll push you a little longer, and then you finally think it's done when they tell you to stand up, and then they'll tell you to do something else. And it's all about just pushing you past your comfort zone. And uh, then there's also the pit, which is every uh, series of buildings for each company has uh, a pit. And it's a gigantic 
probably, I don't know, about the size of a tennis court area of uh, sand that's surrounded by gigantic logs. And basically you go and do a bunch of calisthenics in the sand. So you get super sweaty and the sand sticks to you and gets all down your pants and into crevices and places it shouldn't be. But if it's 6 a.m. and you've just been doused in sand, well, guess what? You got sand in every orifice for the rest of the day. No matter how much more running you do or how many more calisthenics you have to do, it's all going to be done with sand rubbing in in your undies. So really, it's all about trying to remove your identity as a person, as an individual, so that they can rebuild your identity as a part of a larger group or an organization, you know, as a team. So when you first get there, you don't have even name tapes. You can't say the word I, me, you, my, any of that. It's this recruit or like recruit Morton request permission to speak to drill instructor so-and-so. And if permission is not granted, then recruit Morton does not get to speak. And, you know, you start learning how to tell time based on how hungry you are because you can't have a watch. You're not allowed to know things like that. But you start figuring out from your schedule, like, okay, well, my stomach's growling pretty hard, so we got to be within about an hour of lunch. It's incredible how much you you can conform to such a harsh environment, but that's what it's designed to make you do. But I also completely recognize that it was all a, a mind game. Like everything that the drill instructors were doing were intended to break us in some way. So I never really broke because I feel like I was a little more capable of keeping my calm than some. Like I, and just because I was a little older, which doesn't sound like that much to be 20 going in, like enlisting, being that much older than anyone, but most people who enlist are 18. So because of that, I was a squad leader for all of boot camp which doesn't really mean much. It just means that uh, you stand at the front of the line and anytime someone in your squad makes a mistake, you you get to pay with them. I would say a big moment for me in recruit training was... uh, So the tail end of recruit training, the final test, is what's called the Crucible. It's a uh, three-day non-stop field exercise where basically all day you're either hiking or going through some kind of a uh, obstacle course or doing like team like team building exercise kind of things where like you you have to climb this obstacle but you can only do so if you like make a human pyramid to be able to step on each other and then pull each other back up or whatever like stuff like that but it's non-stop and you have like night hikes and everything and so like really you're, you're only supposed to get about three hours of sleep per night and you're on your feet moving at all times the rest of the time And our crucible got a little special sauce because it had been raining for three straight days before our crucible started and continued raining for the entirety of it. I don't know how much you know about uh, Paris Island, South Carolina, but it's a very swampy environment. So when it rains hard for a long time, the rain doesn't go anywhere. It just keeps getting deeper. So by the time we got to all these obstacle courses, most of them were at least knee deep in water. But drill instructors being drill instructors, that just means, all right, they're going to hate life more. They're going to earn it. All right. So we spent three days just staying soggy to the point where your feet have been, the skin on your feet is so soft from nothing but wet boots that, you know, your skin is tearing off inside your boot. A lot of us were bleeding through our boots. Like you could 
see it coming through by the end. I just remember that final hike. You hike back to the main parade deck where you actually do your your drill competitions and graduation and everything. And you get in formation and you're right there in front of the replica statue of the statue of Iwo Jima. And it's right at sunrise. And uh, your drill instructors go through and present each one of you with your first Eagle Globe and Anchor, which is the Marine Corps emblem. Because up until that point, you haven't earned it. You don't deserve to wear it. And so that moment is like a really big shift for you. Like it's, you're no longer a recruit. You are a Marine now. Like you are property of the U.S. government and part of the oldest and the fiercest fighting force America has to offer and one of the fiercest in the world. And the drill instructors get to choose who they give, who each of them gives Eagle Globe and Anchor. I was very proud that my senior drill instructor chose to present me with mine because he was, he was an incredibly impressive Marine. He was silent drill team before 9-11 happened, and then as soon as it did, he was on in one of the first units in Afghanistan, and then went to Iraq for the Battle of Fallujah. Just, just a living legend of war stories. And to have someone like that choose to, whether it was because he saw something in me, or I don't know, maybe just liked me better, whatever. For whatever reason, having him choose me and hand me the the EGA was very meaningful on its own, but it was also the first time that I could speak to him without having to request permission and refer to myself and him in the third person. So, you know, he asked me like if I had anything to say and I remember just choking up and barely holding it together and saying, I never thought that a little piece of metal would ever mean so much to me as this does. And he looked me in the eye and he said, it's not just a piece of metal, it's a way of life. And I think that was when it kind of set in that, you know, it has me choking up a little bit now, even, oh, what was that, 2009? So it was 12 years later. But, uh, you know, that was kind of what really reinforced the concept that the Marine Corps isn't just a job or you don't just serve a little time in the Marine Corps and then get out. It's not like the Army or the, the Coast Guard or the Navy. It's, it's a different mindset. It's a warrior ethos that... Once you've, if you truly like adopt that mindset, you will never be the same. You will always be something different. And even though, you know, all that kind of settled in on me later over, over time, it was still an extremely impactful moment. And, you know, just getting to, to shake that man's hand after he had made my life hell for so long and knowing that it was over, it was, it was a very, uh, very liberating and exciting and inspiring moment. And a special thanks to Monty Montgomery for the production on the piece. And a special thanks to Tom Morton for talking about his journey to becoming U.S. Marine. And as the saying goes, once a Marine, always a Marine. It's not just a piece of metal, he said. It is a way of life. And indeed it is. The story of Tom Morton, his Marine story, and he speaks for so many here on our. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 